Hi, I'm Laura Cox Kaplan. Welcome to She Said, She Said. My guest today is the amazing Kate Boyer. Kate is the CEO of luxury activewear company, Anatomy. Anatomy has been included on the list of most disruptive brands just behind Allbird shoes. And that of course was before COVID and this pandemic. We're gonna to talk to Kate about how she built this brand and how she has continued to evolve and pivot to meet customer needs during this very unique and scary time. Kate also has an amazing personal story. She was born in Soviet-occupied Budapest. We're gonna to talk to her about how that shaped her world view and how she found her love and created this brand. It's a fabulous story and I know you'll be amazed and inspired by her. Kate, welcome to She Said, She Said. Hello, thank you Hi. for having me. I'm excited, Laura. I'm so happy to have you. As you know already, I'm a big fan of your brand and I'm wearing the camo cargos, even though I don't think people can actually see those. From oh, where... you should stand up and show your butt. That's <laughs> what we're famous for. We make your butt look good. I wish my butt looked a little bit better right now. Maybe, maybe oh, after, does. <laughs> after the pandemic. <laughs> So, Kate, tell our listeners and our viewers a little bit about what makes anatomy so special. Well, ladies like yourselves wearing them, number one. <laughs> I mean, seriously, yeah, it's an incredible database of like-minded ladies that are stylish, affluent, they know what they want, they appreciate um, good quality, and they know a good one when they see one. So many times I see you are the brand, I'm just the packaging. So with that said, what makes a product unique and the brand, right, is a really unique combination of the European high-performance fabrics that we stick to since the beginning and the foundation of the company, MCO and co-founders, and our tailoring or craftsmanship. We work with these amazing three-generation, you know, family pattern makers in Europe. Many of them work for the Prada families, Armani. So we're part of that elite clique of um, designers, factories, pattern makers, sample makers. They just know what they're doing, you know, the last couple hundred years. That's that. And then really the weight of the materials that we use are lightweight, stretchy, comfortable um, fabric combinations, I think is unique to the brand. Um, the tailored fit, you know, the, I mean, you look amazing. They're fitted, but not tight. That's very hard to do in our industry yep. so we're known for that and also we designed the pants by body type so you know the name anatomy speaks for itself so if you look it up in the dictionary it means the perfect analysis of a human body and its moving parts so that's who we are <laughs> we designed the pants by body type we started with one over a decade ago now we have nine as we grew and expanded and started selling to more ladies in different shapes and sizes and you know all across the world um, so that makes us very unique that we have such a body conscious, um, you know, approach to designing. We are more of a smart solution based brand, right? We're more practical. We're not so trendy. We're trying to be, and we are timeless, seasonless, ageless. It's another thing that makes us unique, how we have mom, daughter, grandma in the, the brand. Um, not many clothing companies can do that and make everybody look good and, you know, age and time appropriate as well. So it's a long list. I can talk all day about what makes Anatomy unique. <laughs> the product itself is fantastic. And for those 
who are actually joining us via our YouTube channel, you'll notice that Kate and I are actually wearing the same, <laughs> the same. Without <laughs> coordinating. I have it on. With, <laughs> I have it on. We make. <laughs> exactly. I have it on with her great leather jacket and the camo cargos, as I mentioned before, but you sort of get an idea of how you can sort of mix it up. It's a great classic white shirt. So can well, you see this mesh? Uh, look, let me just point out. See, this is what makes us all so unique. Um, you have the same sleeves, right? Your shirt huh? has mesh sleeves or yeah. it's solid? No, it's like that? Yeah, they're, they're mesh, just like that. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. So it's a power mesh. It doesn't snag. It's impossible to like, you know, ruin if ladies like jewelry and things like that. And it's also SPF 70. So we're moisture wicking, antibacterial, UV protective, but all in a nice white crisp shirt, which we designed. I like Enfontaine, but it was so like wrinkly and it was like kind of overpriced. I'm like, we need our own white shirt that can just stay crisp no matter what. That I don't have to worry about it. It looks good everywhere I go. So that's how it was born. Yeah, no, it's absolutely fantastic. So the product is great, the brand is great, but I want you to talk a little bit about your own personal story because where oh. you sort of how you evolved and found your career and your passion and your calling is a fascinating story. As I mentioned in the mm. intro, you grew up in Soviet-occupied Budapest, Hungary in the 1970s. Talk to me about what life was like and really where this inspiration originally came from. So definitely I'm the generation that took down the Berlin Wall. So you have probably seen the CNN in the 80s. That was our 90s. <laughs> America in the 80s was, you know, Eastern Europe in the 90s. We had like a good decade of delay of getting Rambo and all those movies in, right? <laughs> but what my life looked like. So I grew up in a little house that my grandparents built themselves. And when my parents got married very young, they started building on top of it. <laughs> so we live very close to the grandparents, literally one door away. I was like this tight with my grandma, God bless her. And yeah, I was like, you know, four of us with my brother and my parents in a little tiny home. And we were happy as heck, you know, we did everything together, walked to school every day. Um, it was a competitive gymnast. That was part of the, you know, the education back then. I spoke Russian truant. All the teachers were um, Russian in the school. Gymnastics was sort of an expected thing for you. Is that right? But for everybody, we had no choice. That was part of the communist thing is they were all equal, which I could never understand. Like, I just felt like I had more in my heart and soul and balls to do with my life, right? But even little, it's really interesting how you have that. And I'm sure you see it in your kids and you see it in my daughter that... They have their own personalities. And in our times back then, in those years, that was kind of not acceptable. There was no entrepreneurship. You know, everybody worked for the government, but people had like a nice stable life. So when things changed in 1989, my grandparents, for example, didn't understand what's the good thing about all this market freedom. And all of a sudden we had homeless people. And, you know, we didn't have that back then because when people are equal, everybody has like a very small little, you know, it's called it salary, right? You eat, and that's it, right. right? And then those who wanted more left the country. And I was one of those hitchhiking out 18 years old. Can you imagine my dad? <laughs> I left with a group of athletes, um, Olympic athletes. <laughs> I grew up with the kayak and canoe team, Hungarian boys. They were all six foot tall, 230 pounds, super handsome. And then me in the pack. <laughs> so we hitchhiked out, landed in France. 
at the end of the journey and I ended up finishing my MBA in South of France, so I speak French fluent as well. You know, my, my upbringing gave me a very disciplined, structured environment, a lot of gray colors, um, which was a sharp contrast to what I've seen south of France. Imagine that against Monte Carlo, right? Right. So lots of colors, a lot of beautiful moms and daughters shopping together. I'm like, oh my God, these ladies are so powerful and everybody's in their jeans. This doesn't look so comfortable. Like I had this little thing in my head going, right? So to pay for school, I was teaching fitness and my team became um, national champion in France three years in a row because I was this tough Eastern European gymnast background coach turned student. And we made the first outfits for them to travel, train, and compete. And we didn't have a lot of money, so we needed very resistant fabric. Uh -huh. So I always thought there's beauty in resilience. And we still use like the fabrics you're wearing today in the white. That's the original anatomy uh, material we use because it doesn't wrinkle, it washes well, it lasts forever. So we really stand for a lifestyle with durability and sustainability that's kind of like the opposite of fast fashion because our, our line is built to last and it comes from this background of, you know, necessity, need, and survival. <laughs> yeah. So did you, did you grow up knowing how to sew? Like, how did you get from the point of sort of figuring out this team needs, needs outfits, mm -hmm. you need, you know, active wear that's actually durable, that doesn't wrinkle, that ultimately is what, what became this brand. But how did you, how did you learn the, the construction part of the business? Well, I didn't and never did. I never wanted to, and I still don't want to. <laughs> so, <laughs> how did you do that? You, you found people to, to ultimately make the products. Right. So a friend of mine, Okay, we're going to, I don't know if you can pod, podcast it, but we were making fake Adidas t-shirts in my country back in the days as young people and selling them, right? So my friend had this little factory with like six sewing ladies um, that we would buy the fabrics in Italy and France where I was living and I would bring them back and then they would be cutting and sewing. So as I started making, you know, the outfits for my teens, I used that little unit. And at 22 years old, I had 50 sewing ladies in Hungary working for me. It's pretty scary. So that's what happened. It just, the factory expanded as my business grew and the stores picked up the, the brand. And I was working with some big retailers, you know, very young huh? while I was doing my MBA. Yeah. And uh, the story ends, well, it doesn't end, it kind of starts. <laughs> the real anatomy, as you know, it starts. Yeah. Um, when I saw a TV program about Sam Bart's uh, and got a one-way ticket out of side of France, ended up in the Caribbean, did a lot of trunk shows on the yachts and the islands and met some amazing American ladies like yourselves who said, Kate, this is incredible. You're going to come to America. There's nothing like it. So keep in mind back then I didn't even speak English, but started adventuring out, transited through Miami and met my husband who was doing menswear at the time. So it's your question, you know, how do we know how to sew? He did. He's the true dyslexic artist who's drawing and sewing and he knows fitting and loves production and loves going to the factory. So it was kind of like a marriage made in fashion heaven. And we ended up making a baby like a decade later. <laughs> we were busy selling clothes. <laughs> it, but it took about a year for the business to turn into monkey business, into a collaboration. And we've, we've been partners ever since. Almost going on 20 years now. And I think we make a good team because we complete each other. It's kind of like yin and yang. I can see I'm more um, numbers and data. So when you look at our logo, we actually look behind the scenes anatomy. I'm about to approve this. See the little square in the circle with the anatomy girl in it? So it's like art and science. 
trying to put a, what's the English expression, a square pig in a round hole. <laughs> That's what it looks like when you work with your husband. <laughs> so, so your husband, Sean, is he, what, what yes. is his title? He's the artistic director, the... Right, he's the creative director and creative he's director. really, really talented. Okay, all jokes aside, he has an incredible eye, very connected to our customers. When we launched the brand, you know, we were very European. The fit was small, it was very lightweight, and it was kind of expensive because we use these high-end fabrics. So we had to prove ourselves on the market. Um, and America is tough because you guys react to change and you try new things, but if it's not good enough, it drops like a hot potato. So we had to prove that um, we have staying power and we did over 600 events the first four years when we launched the brand. So we did trunk shows from Silicon Valley to the Hamptons, to Texas, to, you know, DC in your area, all the country clubs, Pilates studios. We were following the lifestyle of our customers. And over the years, they were telling us, Kate, Sean, listen, guys, I packed this everywhere I go. We went to Africa. We did trips to Machu Picchu. I went to Asia. We were in Europe for a week. I wore two pairs of pants, you know, six days straight. Um, that's when we realized we are this luxury travel brand. Yeah. And we went to... Um, the top of the food chain with the Forbes travel guide, Medjet, Inspirato, Virtuoso travel agents. So we started branding ourselves along with these companies and that's the anatomy you know today. So I know during, well, as a result of COVID and the pandemic, there were mm -hmm. a number of things that really changed pretty dramatically for you in terms of your, the wholesale piece of your business, as I understand. So you've got the direct to consumer piece, which you've yeah. always had. Um, right. But this was, a, this was another piece. It was a fairly big piece of your business. Talk a little bit about that and the relationships with high-end resorts and with cruise ships and things like that. So 50% of our company um, was wholesale and the other 50% was direct-to-consumer e-commerce. It slowly evolved from the direct selling model to 300-plus specialty stores. You mentioned hotel, resort spas um, around the world. They carry anatomy. And... Uh, I think they will come back around little by little, but right now, as everybody knows, they're completely shut down. So we were, at the end of February, we were 28% above our 40% up budget for the year, right? And then the whole thing was just like a big slap in the face. So very quickly we had to pivot. And this is where some of my Eastern European survival skills come in place where, you know, we don't give up, right? So I haven't missed a day at work. It's um, close to my house. Um, some of the team is working from here, some from home. Um, and the focus became, I had a meeting and I said, listen guys, 90 days, at least we are direct to consumer only. We're digital only. So we had to learn to focus all of our efforts to you know, some of these live um, IGTV sessions we have had. Um, to, to re refocusing all of our marketing. I mean, imagine several agencies under contract with big budgets, you know, that had to like, okay, forget your 2020 plan, guys. <laughs> we need to rewrite the whole thing. I have my vision board behind me. It's all brand new. Everything that we planned, you know, changed. Yeah. So it's one thing that the cruise ships are not going anywhere and the hotels are closed every single four seasons with Carton Canyon Ranch montage property, right? Demon Marcus, um, store of golf shops. You know, we have a really nice golf distribution as well in 80 of the premier golf shops. Even though the ladies are golfing and they're buying online, the shops themselves are closed. 
so yeah, that was an interesting pivot. Uh, where was I going with this? I was doing something. Hmm. Well, you you were talking about you, you you mentioned you how your upbringing ultimately um, you just plowed through. I mean, you you saw a problem, you set about to to solve it. I think what people would find really interesting is how how you did that, right? Do you have a toolkit or something that you turn? No, and to there's no really book. Remember, there's no book written. We're on unknown territory, all of us. Big brands, small brands. It's uncharted never seen before times. Mm -hmm. So no, no toolkit, no book, no nothing. It's day by day, team meetings, mm -hmm. and challenging everybody to do their best. And I told my team, listen, I need your brains working, guys, together as a team. It cannot come from Kate and Sean just alone, you know, figuring this out. So um, our wholesale manager, gentleman, his name is Kevin, you know, the two options, right? You lay him off, or you change the job description. Mm -hmm. So there was an amazing company called Worth, New York-based um, direct selling model. They got sold to a private equity firm, but it, and it basically went, not bankrupt, but they shut it down. They couldn't operate it the way the founder did um, back in the days. And it left a network of 400 ladies who sold clothing for 20 years around the country to, in the wealthiest neighborhoods. So we picked up the phone and I said, who was the top performer? I need them in anatomy. <laughs> And now we have a team lead and a team of 15 ladies soon to be announced. Um, you're actually probably the first one to know around the, the country that we have 15 of their top performance stylists engaging and starting to sell anatomy starting next week and forward. They just got their sample sets. So my wholesale manager is now the VIP stylist manager team, you know, training them on the back end, order entries, inventory readings and things like that. So instead of helping 300 stores, he'll be helping 15 ladies. <laughs> I don't know how he's going to handle that, but these well, are the choices. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so interesting because you are really doubling down on your direct-to-consumer model, but through both a different sort of marketing channel, but also through these sales, these stylists or sales associates, if you will. And so it changes yes. both the way that you manage the different elements of the brand, it changes the way in which you interact with your customer. I'd love for you to talk a bit more about, because I know how passionate you are about your relationship with your customer and how important she is. Talk a little bit about, maybe give people some advice for how you build that connection and how you really listen and hear her feedback. I mean, from day one, these ladies gave us a lot of tough love, right? Just by their personalities, they say things as it is, good or bad. Uh -huh. So when they mention bad things, like, Kate, listen, I'm paying $800 for four pieces. These snaps cannot be popping off. When we started the company, we had this idea that the pants could look like jeans, but they feel like sweatpants, but the fabric is very light, and we like the hardware, both Sean and I, that goes in jeans. They would pull out because it was so light. So until we, you know, you like ladies like you said, Kate, really, can you guys get your act together? <laughs> That's how they talk to us. So I said, you know what, quality control team, I went to the factory. I'm like, we need to fix this because these ladies just going to buy more pants. It has to last. It has to do what it says we promise it's going to do, right? There's no tricking these ladies. They're smart, right? So you have to respect your customer. I think it starts with that and listen to that voice because at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Yeah. So from there, between the founder's vision and having this connection with our end users, 
I had to teach it to the team as well because everything in the corporate culture has to respect this DNA that we have so much in our heart as founders. So that took a while, right? And it takes the right team. And um, there were some tough decisions down the road, but I was only looking for people who could build this connection and relationship. And um, it's kind of like your travel agent and your doctor that knows your body. I was teaching our customer service ladies, listen, you need to be best friends with these ladies and know everything about their kids and husbands and the divorce and whatever, whatever comes up, right? You need to be like tight and close. So there's a trust factor that's built over time and you have to earn it. You have to be patient because um, it's not a one time happening. And I think, and you can read in Harvard Business Review, there's a lot of things about branding, but today's brands, the good ones that survive and stick, build this relationship with the customer. You know, back in the days when um, we were all young, it was just a logo, right? It was McDonald's and you, had, you know, you had a sandwich, it was Nike, you know, you had good running shoes. Now a brand has a meaning. So you have to be a brand with a purpose. So for those out there trying to build that, you need to find your your voice and you need to listen and execute. I tell my team, listen, just give these ladies what they want and then we'll all be rich. <laughs> it's so simple, don't argue. <laughs> these camo pants you're wearing, it came from a customer of ours that said, Kate, I have your pants in black, navy, gray, khaki and white. You need to do some prints. I'm like, what kind of print? She's like, well, camo never goes out of style. So we kind of tweaked the idea, uh, added the navy and it's been selling for years. Yeah. Our two pull-on pants came from customers who sent me old uh, Prada leggings and said, Kate, I've had this for 15 years. You just need to put it in your fabric. So we did that. Yeah. So a lot of our best sellers were developed with customers in mind and actually named after them as well. You probably noticed all of our styles have female names, like the Hurricanes. There's a reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. How do you know, Kate? which feedback to listen to, right? If you're getting conflicting oh. feedback from your customers, or how, how, do you, how do you distill this and know when it's time to make a new product or to pivot from one that maybe you and Sean were very personally invested in, but it's just not working for your mm -hmm. customer. I don't know if that ever happens, but how, how, do you, how do you know who to listen to? It does happen, actually, when we, um, it happens if we don't stay focused. It's a really interesting question you just asked. I could put you a speaker at the design team for having a meeting about <laughs> spring 2021 right now. I was trying to explain this to them. <laughs> you have to stick to your core. Yeah. If you deviate too much, right, it starts to look like products that you already have in your closet from other brands who might do a better job than I do at this, right? Nobody beats our pants. Nobody beats this white shirt. Nobody beats our city sticker Kenya jacket or the leather jacket you're wearing for that matter that has stretch panels. It's lighter. It's stretchier than anything on the market. And I think it was retailing around $400. So that's a competitive anatomy package. We need to stick to it. And it stops working if you go outside of our comfort style sportswear kind of thing, right? We failed. You know, Sean was super excited to add fur collars to our puffy coats. And it was cute as heck. We loved it. And then nobody wanted it, right? Because once you cross the line, you can go to real fur companies and buy the real thing for thousands of dollars. And it's worth it, right? So... That's how we know who to listen to. And it tends to um, fail. I can run reports. I mean, you, you heard me. I'm, I have an MBA. So the, the numbers don't lie. So I don't want you to think it's subjective or something goes opinion um, based between Sean and I. It's I run reports and I look at numbers 
and say, look, your fur hoodie, so 21 pieces, and my Celtic jacket is going on 3,000. Like, hello, <laughs> right? The numbers don't lie. So you have to be also smart about the process um, that way. Yeah. Does that make sense? <laughs> it makes perfect sense. No, it makes perfect sense. I think it's a really, really hard question and you can fall into that trap of trying to be all things to all people. Exactly. And, and what you're talking about is having that discipline and also I think probably having the team, you and Sean there having been there from the beginning and knowing what your core and what your DNA is, right? That enables you to withstand the winds that blow so that you can tweak here or there, but not really fundamentally change. It's a, it's a tough thing, I think, for any brand to, to, to find their core and then really stick to that. Any business. Remember the story when Steve Jobs went back to Apple? Mm -hmm. um, you probably know he took the grid and he said, okay, it's one, two, three, four. That's it. What are those four products that we're supposed to be doing instead of thousands of SKUs? So that's called over-assorted. It happens in fashion. And when you're a small company and on tight ship with a limited budget, you don't have um, wiggle room to make a lot of mistakes. So I think Damon John calls it the power of broke when you are like so focused because you don't have any dollars to waste. Yeah. So our, our line is really on point. And sometimes I talk to ladies who buy it for the first time and then they come back for more and say, kid, this, I feel like this was made for me. That's what we want from yeah. a first outfit experience. Absolutely. So, Kate, how do you think about, given that there's still a lot of uncertainty coming out of this pandemic and what this will look like over the course of the next several months and possibly years, who knows, but mm -hmm. how are you planning for the future? How do you think about marketing of your brand when some of those contracts that you had before, they'll come back, but how long yeah. will it for them to come back? How do you think about that? So, well, first of all, our partners tell us we have an amazing partnership with the Olympic um, Committee and I had a contract signed. We were going in July to Tokyo. I had 30 female presenters with their anatomy outfits, fitted, styled all over the world. I had presenters in Norway. I was so excited because one of the gymnastics presenters was wearing anatomy. Not the actual athlete, but just the ladies traveling and presenting the, uh, the athletes, right? So that's 2021. We know it, it's, it's a year later. Um, so some of them we have dates that the partners tell us, like I know Montage opens June 1st, Four Seasons July 1st. So we have the dates, but for now, um, we are a global lifestyle brand. If you look at, our, look at our social media, and again, I, I let the customers take the lead, but a couple of days into the lockdowns, we started getting um, pictures from our customers like yourself. Remember you sent me yours with your son yeah. and your daughter and just hanging out in the pants? Uh -huh. And I have a family, you know, a father and two sons in the men's pants grilling in the backyard and lady homeschooling two kids. So, you know, they told us, Kate, you know, even though we're locked down, this is still the most comfortable thing I can wear today. So it's not just work from home and you put on your white shirt and you put on lipstick and it's like, oh my God, I'm dressed up. <laughs> I feel great. I'm so confident, <laughs> right? So you have like a sense of sanity, right? The sense yeah. of normalcy is really interesting. So, um, I mean, I, I, think it's, I think it's such an interesting question and it's almost impossible to answer, but it's, it is something you have to try to plan even though there is so much uncertainty and what that looks like. And I would assume, Kate, given that you are 
you're really connecting in perhaps maybe an additional way with your customers through Instagram and through social media. Will you, I assume you'll continue those channels and really try to build up the content around it, which I think is sort of an interesting element of showcasing your product. You're so smart. So if you want to join our company, you, I, I have an office for you in Miami. Well, I'm already dressed for it. So, you're like hitting the nail on the head. So, you know, for the first reaction of the shutdown, how do we communicate with the ladies? We went live on Instagram TV. I've never done it with my life. And we had thousands of views and an extremely engaged um, audience with hundreds of questions the first 30 minutes we went live and I started introducing our team our stylist our shipping manager and now it's becoming a division because the sales from those days and the surrounding couple of days are building a department on its own so now we have a division called virtual selling it's incredible because in the last six weeks you ladies showed us that you want it mm-hmm. So it's becoming, you know, even in our accounting, there are investors and our board is noticing like, okay, you have .com, then you have your virtual selling, then you have your in-home stylist as well, a direct-to-consumer model, which for us, you heard the beginning of the story. Yeah, I could, I mean, I could pivot in my sleep, right? Sean and I launched the brand like that from home to home from one lady at a time. We called it one sandwich at a time. (laughs) We're back to that. So to me, I'm not going to say business as usual, but we're not scared because we've done it before. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So long-term plans have my five-year plan haven't changed. My three-year plan hasn't changed. Um, we're still in the middle of our series B round. This is the third round of financing and we still have interested parties and com- some commitments are ready for the next round of funding for anatomy. But it's really, um, you know, if I can give any advice to somebody, this is not a pause or a standby button. This is a fast forward into the 22nd century. And for those who can catch up and learn fast and pivot fast will survive and the brands that make noise during these times will be remembered for a very long time and at the same time a lot of dinosaurs who were already struggling are going to disappear so it's kind of a natural selection and survival of the fittest that's happening not just in the opera industry but i'm sure with restaurants and all the other you know industries as well around the world it's it's scary in a way but you know now you know me i'm not afraid of anything i love the challenge yeah. I think we're having fun, actually. Yeah. No, I, I See, mean, I'm like bouncing. I'm sitting on a ball, right? I'm so excited, like to like, you know, we it gives little brands like us, not little, but you know, smaller brands, a chance to become a household name. Yeah. Yeah. Any advice for people who maybe are struggling with their positivity? Mm-hmm. I mean, you're really embracing this change and this challenge, and I have to believe it probably comes from your upbringing your mindset, the way you were raised, I mean, all these things presumably factor into how you view the world. But if you could give people maybe one piece of advice for how to really embrace change and maintain that level of positivity, what would you recommend? It's hard. So I try to look at the glass half full, right? And, you know, in all honesty, I don't watch the news. And when it all started, I did in the beginning and then I stopped because it's just too much negative. So when my husband watches the news in the morning, I take the dog for a walk and I even take my daughter out, mm-hmm. right? And then she gives me flowers. Look, I got this this morning. And she's fine. You not... You're yeah, not fine. fine. Yeah. yeah, see, how could you not look at the bright side of life? So if you have little kids, they'll show you 
the way out, you know, because they are in a little bubble and so cute. Um, pets help. Yeah. <laughs> we yeah. adopted Luna, little American bulldog. <sighs> you could see she's barking. Um, get some help, you know. We have a board of um, the board of directors and almost forty shareholders, and I talk to each one of them about different topics. So when I had some tough choices with employees, you know, furloughing people and even letting one go who was actually my triathlon coach. And I love the guy. And he just the first one who had to go because he was linked to our cruise business that might come, not come back for a year. So, and then I made some calls and said, you know, how should I go by this? Can you help me? Um, so get some help, talk to people you trust, whether it's friends and family or other business advisors. It's also interesting how people, you have people's eyes and ears. So if you want to communicate, you can catch people who otherwise wouldn't listen, whether it's LinkedIn or another social media platforms. I mean, look at us talking to each other, right? Right. right. We're like the living proof. Yep. So look at the bright side, cook some good food, spend time with kids and dogs, <laughs> yeah. get out a little bit. You know, I tell my daughter, we, even though the beaches are closed, oh, my computer had that. Even though the beaches are closed, you know, we, um, you're going to laugh, but we climbed over the fence. We jumped in the water and then ran back to the car. <laughs> so misbehaving is fun. <laughs> um, you know, mindsets are hard to change. Yeah. But there's, you know, whether it's little activities like that or a nice meal with the family or, um, you know, getting dressed up in your anatomy outfit and putting some lipstick on so you feel better about yourself. Definitely don't stay in your sweatpants, ladies, because that's dangerous. That's like giving up on life so bad. Um, these pants are tight, right? So you're going to stay fit. So they stay the same size after. Well, as I think I disclosed to you, I actually had to buy two pair because my skinny, my skinny cargo pants are a little bit snug at the moment. So we have two sizes. Oops. Oops. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And definitely our advisors help a lot through some, you know, like business wise. Um, it's interesting because I could never really talk to my parents per se, because we're like a different world you know it's very personal so my dad was a chemist and my mom worked in logistics so we never talk about the business actually interesting, interesting. yeah but if you have friends and family and advisors it's that that's helpful yeah it's helpful yeah kate this has been fantastic i really appreciate you joining me your perspective is so inspiring as, <laughs> as are your great clothes so i really appreciate you spending the time with us today thank you so much for having me um to learn more about kate boyer and her company anatomy check out the show notes for this episode i will include links to the company as well as some other great details that i think you might find really interesting as always i am so grateful that you've chosen to spend your time with us please let me know what you think be safe and take care.